Welcome to India Unveiled with White Oak Capital. I'm your host, Ben Hayward, and together we'll delve into the untold stories of India's business and economic landscape. With an eye for hidden opportunities and a pulse on the vibrant markets that define the country's growth story, we'll explore the dynamic world of Indian commerce and entrepreneurship. Join me as I sit down with the top business and economic leaders who are shaping India's future. With insightful conversations that reveal the innovative and entrepreneurial spirit of Indian industries, we'll discover what makes this country such a fascinating and increasingly important destination for businesses today. So stay tuned to India Unveiled and let's lift the lid on one of the most captivating growth stories in global markets this century. In today's episode, we are joined by Nidhi Kumra, co-founder of the Indian student housing startup, Your Space. Nidhi shares of how her own struggles to find quality accommodation during her time at the University of Cambridge, and then her cousin's subsequent experience in Bangalore, led her to start a student housing business in India. She talks about the challenges of starting a business in such an unorganized market, and how she and her co-founders overcame these challenges to grow their business to over 100 sites pan-India, with hundreds more in the pipeline. Tune in to hear how Nidhi's entrepreneurial spirit and market insights have helped her make a difference to the lives of thousands of students in India as they grow their student accommodation and lifestyle brand in one of the world's deepest and fastest growing student markets. Nidhi, it's great to have you here with me today. Thank you so much for joining me and, and coming on the show. Thanks, Ben, for having me. Awesome. So yours is a fascinating story, I think, and one that will kind of resonate with the audience all over the world because student housing, student accommodation is, is, is something that's pretty universal. But take us back to the beginning. How did you get going? Talk us through your background. I know you studied actually in the UK and you worked in the UK for some time before coming back to India. So please tell us your story from, from the beginning. Quick background about myself. I am Delhi born and brought up. I studied mathematics at St. Stephen's, after which I moved to the UK to study maths at Cambridge, post which I moved to Lehman Brothers as a trader. I was there for 2007, 2008, so I saw all the action, post which I moved to Merrill Lynch, and I was a trader there at Merrill Lynch. So I spent a large part of my life, almost a decade plus, on the trading floor before I decided to move back to India and start my own journey as an entrepreneur. So Nidhi, take us back to the beginning. How, how did this come about and how did you, you come up with the idea of, of student housing in India? So student housing is a very well-defined space in the West, in the UK and in the US, Australia. And student housing remains a very nascent um, space in India even today. Shubha, who's my co-founder, who again is one of my best friends who I met in London, both of us moved back to India in 2016 to set up student housing. Both of us had very well-defined, well-paying jobs in the UK and, you know, we wanted to do something of our own. I think the entrepreneurial bug sort of bit us and we decided it's time to do something of our own. From a timing perspective, it was great, right? India, it's, as everyone keeps saying, it's India's decade. It was, you know, just the right time to come back to India. But particularly student housing was something that fascinated us a lot. Two incidents that happened that kind of, you know, pushed us in that direction one, my cousin was looking for accommodation in Bangalore back in the day. And I, I remember having a conversation with her and she was struggling to find a place. She was struggling with the food. She was struggling with the basic hygiene there. And then at the same time, Shubha's cousin was in London who'd come to LSC to study. And, you know, we went and checked out her dorm. That's when we realized that, you know, there was something we could do there and something we needed to pay attention to. 
And we decided to go back to India for a couple of weeks and see what the situation of student housing was because we'd been away from India for over a decade. And what we realized was that nothing had changed since the time we graduated, right? It was still a very unorganized space, still run by mom and pop sort of setups. And I think that's when we realized that there is definitely a demand. Kids are living somewhere today. It's about organizing the market. So you're not changing client behavior, you're organizing a very unorganized space. And that's where India was generally moving towards anyway, right? Just the organization. I think that's broadly when we started thinking about it. And that's when Chuba and I sort of took a leap of faith and decided to quit our jobs, move back to India. We were very lucky to have amazing mentors because both of us did not really have a real estate background. You know, ultimately it is a real estate driven business. Mr. Sanjay Gupta, who was then the CEO of PNB Housing Finance, was, you know, very kind to actually sit with us, help us think through the business, think through the model, how this business really plays out in reality, because it was all great on an Excel sheet, but what happens in reality? And I think we, we sort of started piece by piece. We put up our first hostel in 2016, and today we are about 100 plus hostels and still growing. So we've come a long way. But I think broadly, what I think the market itself was so compelling, there are 35 million students who are pursuing higher education in India today. And that number is growing at 4 or 5% per annum. That's probably the population of the United Kingdom. 50% of these students are looking for off-campus accommodation. Colleges can only support 20% of this demand. So you're talking about 15 million students looking for accommodation every year, right? The fact that they're staying somewhere and paying for it, there is a natural demand and that demand will keep growing. The growing migratory trends in India, sort of growing middle class in India, parents today want their kids to do better than them. They want to do everything they can to make sure their children have a comfortable stay and can focus on academics. And I think all these things sort of push towards the demand for what we are trying to create. Fantastic. And I, there are so many themes there that I want to dive into later in the episode, but I think just developing on the on the on the business model for a second, because I think student housing is pretty universally, you know, I stayed in student accommodation once upon a time. And it's sort of something that most educated university students go through, especially in the Western world. It's a very well-trodden path. What is the business model here in India? Is it asset light? Is it asset heavy? I know you've built a brand around, you kind of one of the first players to build a brand around student housing. So if you could talk us through the business plan, the business model, a bit more detail. Sure. So we are an asset light model, just slightly different from the way student housing has evolved in the West. Couple of reasons. One, student housing in the West is slightly less service intensive. And also it's a more real estate play rather than a service play. And that's also driven by just the cost of capital. Your rental yields are higher than your cost of capital, which enables you to actually own the underlying asset. And that's the opposite in India. So your cost of capital is substantially higher than what your rental yields typically are. And we usually compare it to residential yields. So it's substantially higher, right? So owning asset becomes a very difficult play in most tier one markets, right? It could work in certain tier two markets, but in tier one markets, it's a hard play on, on the yield. So it's, it, it's very different from that perspective, but also student housing in India is a lot more service intensive. So I remember my dorm at Cambridge, we had a very nice, well-furnished room, you know, housekeeping once a week. We had laundromats, we had to go do our own laundry. There was a mess, you would go there, take your meals if you'd like. Or, and then there was a kitchenette, if you wanted to cook, you'd cook. I think it's very different, a setup here, right? One, parents are very, very actively involved in this decision-making. Kids are out of home for the first time, so laundry has to be taken care of. Security becomes a key constraint. We have someone called a warden or a resident manager who lives at the property 24-7 to look after the students. 
meals become a very important part of it. So four meals a day, making sure everyone sort of, you know, getting nourished, nourishment, housekeeping to be done every day. So overall, it becomes a lot more service intensive. And actually, it's a play on services. So it's an arbitrage on services more than the rental yield arbitrage. And that's how we sort of built out the model. We play on the economies of scale. So the more deep we get in markets, the larger economies of scale we get. The same kitchen can provide for a larger number of beds in a cluster. The same sales team can service a larger cluster. So the same operations team can service a larger cluster. So the way our business model is built out is to get deeper in clusters, grow in a cluster approach, but continue to stay service, to stay asset light. Understood. And diving into some of the numbers now, I think you mentioned to me something like 100 properties now in India, but you're only just getting going. So I, I think the listeners always enjoy kind of when we break down the numbers. So talk us through the numbers of the business at a high level. So today we're running about 100 properties across nine cities. My average asset size is about 120 beds a property. So we take standalone buildings. So we don't have scattered sort of apartments. We have a standalone building because we want to control one security and be the overall vibe of the place. So we have standalone buildings. We refurb those buildings to our brand um, and, um, you know, so, so try and build an ecosystem within for the students. We have about 120 beds and, and we're trying to get larger and larger assets as we grow because that, again, gives us better economies of scale. We have a visibility to about 50,000 beds over the next three years. We typically grow every academic year because, you know, our intake happens usually at the start of the academic year. So we're looking at FY26, FY27 to be run anywhere between 50 and 60,000 beds. We will, we're also looking at it growth in, like I said, in a clustered manner. So we get economies of scale. We don't want to spread ourselves too thin because it's a very operationally intensive business. Like I said, we own all the services, right, from cleaning to laundry to food as well. So we run our own kitchen. So to... To be able to give and deliver the kind of quality, we need to also control our services, which is why we want to make sure we're deep in clusters, we have enough manpower on ground as we scale. So we're, we're looking at about 130 clusters over the next three to four years. We're present in about 55 of those clusters already. So we'll, we'll just keep getting deeper in the clusters we're already present in we, and you know we'll add to the new clusters. But, you know, we will not have one odd building in the middle of nowhere and then just leave it because we strongly want to believe that the brand is a function of the services we deliver. So I think that's something we're very clear. And at the end of the day, we are a semi-hospitality business, right? Except our guest stays with us for 365 days and that's much harder to please. So make sure that you're delivering your service and you have three stakeholders, your colleges, your student and parents who I said are very actively involved in the life of a student. So I think we're very clear in the way we want to build out this business. We've kept our head down. You know, there's, there, a lot of similar models have come around, but we're quite clear in the way and the markets that we want to be in. Understood. And, and I think you'd mentioned to me previously that this is kind of positioned in the kind of semi-premium space in the market. Are you selling not just to the students, like you just said, but also to the parents, you know, the parents, which is a nice thing about your business model is you've got the students staying there, but the parents paying. Correct. So we wanted to create a aspirational product, yes. We wanted to create a premium product, but we did not want to price ourselves out of the market or did not. We wanted to, in some sense, also democratize student living, right? We wanted to give everyone a place where, you know, people from different walks of life can come together and sort of grow together. We are probably anywhere between 10 to 20% above the market rate. So we're not really pricing ourselves out of the market. And we... But we're not, and we're not a business class product. We're not trying to create super premium product. But 
at the end of the day, we want to still make it aspirational. So the facilities and the services that we give across all our properties will be standardized. So I think the idea is because we're selling to the parent, we want to create a brand that tomorrow, if a parent wants to send their child to a different city, should just go online and check if there's a Your Space hostel because there's a certain level or standard of services they can expect. Just the way you would look up a hotel if you were traveling to a city, another city. So for us, I think that's that's broadly the vision that we had was to also democratize the whole thing, not make it unaffordable for uh, for parents. So, no, I mean, it's a fantastic business model. And, and like I said, one that is so well understood and well trodden in the Western world, but sounds 50,000 beds and, and double the size of the business in the next three or four years but it's just still a drop in the ocean compared to the addressable market size. Absolutely. Today, under 1% of the market is actually organized. Globally, if you look at it, um, 25% to 30% of the market is typically organized. So there will always be an unorganized portion, and I think that's something even we appreciate. So I think there's enough space, room for more players to come in. And I think it, it'll be great if more and more players sort of enter the space. We have a couple of players already in the space, but... There is enough room for more players. It's not a winner-takes-it-all market. Yeah. And on that note, are there any foreign players trying here in India? So we don't have any foreign players here yet. Again, like I said, because they are used, most of the foreign funds or the real estate play, it's a real estate play. So most of them are looking for an asset-heavy sort of a business. Mm -hmm. Again, yields somehow don't make sense in the metros or the tier one cities where a private equity fund would want to take a real estate bet. But as the tier two markets are developing, I feel like this will sort of start playing in slowly. Fantastic. And taking a step in a slightly different direction now, um, the fact that yourself and your co-founder from day one, I know there are three co-founders now, but your day one co-founder, you're both females, female kind of founding team. To my mind, when I think of students, and you mentioned it just now, going away, leaving home for the first time, they sort of want that maternal arm around them. How, uh, that must be a big USP selling point for the parents, knowing that the founders are female. Or... So I think when we started off, both Shubha and I were very actively involved with the sale process as well, right from distributing flyers on the road to, you know, talking to parents. We had every student on WhatsApp and we would be, you know, making sure everyone's comfortable. I think what was touching was parents coming to us and making sure, you know, and telling us that, you know, they, they, they're very happy that their kids are living with us. A lot of them also told us they wish their kids would, you know, achieve what we had achieved. And that was very touching. So I think I would like to believe that did lend an element of credibility. But I think today where we stand, I feel there is no difference between a male or a female entrepreneur. I think we all have our shares of struggle as entrepreneurs, not, not male and female. And we don't see any difference or any sort of disadvantage or advantage either way. I'm sure a male entrepreneur struggles or worries as much as I do or Shubha does about payday or making sure compliances are there or making sure, you know, product is being delivered. So I think, yes, of course, initially, you know, there was that element, that softer element. But today, as we've scaled, we've tried to sort of standardize in the product itself. Um, you know, we feel that, you know, there isn't much difference anymore. Absolutely. And I, and I think, you know, one of the things that con consistently comes out in, in, in my podcast discussions is the fact that India as a country is, I mean, A, very entrepreneurial and B, the mix of entrepreneurs, female to male, young to old, first generation entrepreneurs versus third and fourth, whatever it is, the, the playing field is very level. And, and it's, so it's refreshing to hear you kind of reinstating this point of view. No, no, absolutely. And I think today I feel India is the land of opportunity. We've, again, I think it was the right time we moved back just generally regulation-wise, just the ease of doing business. 
Um, it's a level playing field. I don't think funding investment is biased in any sense. Um, good businesses will get funded. The opportunity remains large by virtue of just a very large population. So I feel if you've got the right idea, you've got the right product, and you've got the right execution team. I think it, sometimes you have great ideas but don't have the right execution. So having that right execution team on ground makes a huge difference. And, you know, it's, again, like, like I said, the market is so huge. We're, we're, we're firm believers. It's not a winner-takes-it-all market. Conscious of time, but probably time for a couple more questions. And I know one of them that you're sick to death about talking about and the guests I know are sick to death about hearing about. But I have to ask it because it probably would have had a big impact on your business. And that was COVID. But I, I'll take a slightly different approach with the question. And you mentioned to me offline that you have a very strong support network around you in terms of mentors and, and investors. Yeah, How did you lean on them during the, the COVID era? Because obviously not a time where students were staying in your property. So I think COVID was a big unknown for everybody. I, don't, I think no, none of us knew what we were fighting and when that was going to end. Student housing was hit the most in India because I remember the first thing to shut was schools and colleges and the last thing to open was school and colleges. We had some universities that were shut for almost 30 months. A lot of kids graduated two years of their master's without even physically attending a class. So education took a huge toll as a whole. Obviously, student housing as a result took a, took a massive toll. A couple of things, right? We've, we've been very lucky to have a very, very great support network in terms of investors and shareholders. The first thing was to make sure we stay alive. We stay, you know, we stay, uh, you know, the company doesn't sort of disintegrate. And I think that was the most important thing. The idea was to make sure we retain all our people. So I think the one thing we're very proud about is we never lost a single employee. We all took pay cuts for a couple of months, but we all stuck, stu stuck it out and I have most of my team still continuing with us today, right? So that's obviously brought us much closer. The team is much stronger and, and human resource as a result is one of our most, is our biggest strength, I would say today. We also took that time off to rethink the whole product. My product pre-COVID and my product today, is, there's a huge difference because we also realized we need to evolve. We need to change. Post-COVID, parents were we're looking for, and, and the need for the product would be more because parents would want a, a cleaner, a more hygienic, uh, you know, uh, student accommodation for their student, uh, for their child. And that's something we focused on. How does the product become better? How does the service become stronger? How do we scale the business? We were 2,000 beds before COVID and we came out of COVID with about 10,000 plus beds. So I think that was a great time for us also, perversely, to, you know, rethink strategy, rethink growth. And again, having a strong set of mentors around help and an employee base who stood by you, right? A lot of them could have left. A lot of them could have looked for opportunity. Yes, of course, markets weren't great, but, you know, everyone stood by us. We, you know, we all worked together. You know, and even when it came to making sure kids who were stuck and could not travel. So we had a few international students who could not travel out. We had to keep the operations running for certain properties to ensure that they were getting their meals even in the midst of covid I think our teams on route did a fabulous job. That's great to hear. And, and I think a really fascinating story, and I hope one that's going to travel really well to guests around the world, because like I said, it's such a personal story, student accommodation, student housing, and I'm really excited for you and, and the business going forward. And with that in mind, I think a final comment or question to you on, on the future of the business. We spoke earlier a little bit about size in, in a few years' time is going to be double where you are today. And the market size is clearly very addressable, but what other changes are, are coming on the horizon for your space? 
So my vision, and I, I speak for my co-founders as well, our vision was always to create a student lifestyle brand, an ecosystem for them, not just the housing. Housing would be a, a core piece of the business. We wanted people to come to your space, want to come to your space, but would take away great memories, great friendships, but also a lot more of life skills when they leave your space, right? And that's what we're trying to build on. We spent a lot of time and building the core product and it was important to get that right. But now we're building on that. So the vision is to eventually create a full ecosystem for students. So an, an online community, an offline community. So we we've created an app where my students across the country can communicate with each other, talk to each other, share experiences. If someone is going for an internship to another city, talk to a student in that city. We want to create that network because that's what makes the brand. And we've started building on that and, and we hope to continue to invest in that, build in that, um, have more and more people join that community. Because effectively, if you think about it, students are the most homogeneous community you can put together. They're all out of home for the first time. They want to make friends. They're all a little insecure trying to get their feet in the real world. And there are no hang-ups, there's nothing, no, no baggage they carry. And I think that's the beauty about the community we've inherited. And, and I think that's what we want to sort of pend on, we want to sort of build on. And then there is obviously an offline community as well that we're building on. So we, we're creating spaces for students, for your space students across the, across the country where they can spend time together, we can run events for them, help them with up, upskilling, soft skills, CV making, help them pursue higher education abroad. And whatever we can do to enable them, to help them with skills that will help them later in life. So we're trying to build on that offline and online community. We want to build an alumni of your space students. I, I, I think that the day people sort of think of the alumni and think of a network within that they've built during their stay at your space, I think that's, I feel the day I my vision will sort of materialize. I think that's a wonderful place to leave it. And I, I look forward to seeing that vision come to life in the, in the years to come. So Nidhi, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure talking with you and uh, I look forward to keeping you in touch. And thank you, you so much, Ben, for having me. This is great. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to India Unveiled with me, Ben Hayward. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to leave us a review, a rating, and make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you might get your podcast fix to be notified of our upcoming episodes. Join us in a couple of weeks as we continue to explore the fascinating world of Indian business and entrepreneurship. Until then, stay safe and keep exploring.